When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 16-something. Order's getting all messed up now. Bunch of stuff in the backlog. Anyway, the title of the episode is Handling Stress, Svelte Mania, and Web 3.0. A bit of a mashup episode. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we'll be talking about what's been on the top of our minds lately, which is the list that I just listed out. Lots of stuff going on on our side, work-wise, and all that all that jazz. So, if you if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. And, uh, Mike, I mean, this is, this is, you wrote this episode in the 11th hour, which lends itself into the whole handling stress thing. So I'm going to let you, uh, sort of in, like introduce the first little topics here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think like you're going to hear us be in our peak level of stress right now. I think that's something for the listeners. We're, we're at peak level stress. It's not bad. I don't know bad stress good stress doesn't matter it's not like we're you know stressing about our lives it's just there's a lot on the plate all across the board and matt and i are just trying to kind of sift through all of it make sure that we're taking the opportunities that we that that are coming to us but not overloading ourselves so there's a lot that we talked about like matt and i had some great discussions over the past couple of weeks about where we want hat to go like html of things where we want digital dynasty to go our agency like we had really good progress in our conversations. So I kind of wanted to talk about a few different things that were that's going on around us. Um, starting with this concept of when it rains, it pours. So for us, we've had a little bit of like, well, actually, I've personally have had a little bit of stepping back from contract work over the past three to six months, uh, barring a few little things here and there. Uh, I've been doing mostly the social media handling of HTML, the things on Twitter. I've been doing content creation for HTML, the things and kind of interacting with companies about sponsorships. Like I've been doing a lot of the HTML, the things related content stuff, finding our interview host. There's been a lot of it and it's been great. It's been super fun, but obviously doesn't fully pay the bills. So there's, there was talk about like, maybe taking a job position. And then Matt and I had kind of discussion on that. Didn't make sense at the time. Um, there was talk about, you know, taking out full-time contracts again, stuff like that. And that's what I kind of want to talk about right now in our current situation. We have a few different options that are available for us and it's becoming really stressful, not only in the fact that like there's a lot of work to be done uh, because each option, even if it's not fully realized there's work to be done in the sense of prepping for like the discussion, making like a proposal or, you know, doing, doing a bunch of different things. And the more opportunities there are, the more, of, more of that kind of stuff there is. So that fills up the day pretty quickly, as well as the conversations that you have one-on-one with everyone. So it's just a lot. And there's a lot of things that like kind of put stuff into perspective. So there's, you know, we have an opportunity with one company, where I can go and kind of part-time with another company back to kind of an older an older relationship that we had with a contract, uh, potentially helping them with some migration stuff. So we have like these solidified opportunities and then there's more pouring in. And the, the, the cusp of this conversation that I want to have is like the word no. Sometimes it's super important, especially in our industry, to be able to say no to certain things. And I... I struggle with that sometimes, but I have been getting a little bit better at it. I use a a few different strategies for no. One of the strategies would be price that client out of the equation. Not ridiculously. I'm not going to say a million dollars for like a simple website. But knowing that like if a person comes to us expecting a $3,000 website in their mind, and if you offer $10,000 for a website, that it's going to be out of their budget, right? And the crazy thing about that is that sometimes – you will get that pushback and they will say yes. 
and then you're you're you know doing something that you would have eventually you would actually done for three thousand for ten thousand, and it's a different kind of perspective. You have a different kind of decision to make at that point, and it it could be better for you and the client because it's a different level of ex- expertise when you're getting more money essentially, and a different level a different hands on approach that you can give them. Uh, there's just more opportunity for you know bringing in more design work and bringing in an SEO specialist and stuff like that as soon as you start packing in the money. And that's a really b- beneficial for not only you, the client, but it's also beneficial for kind of the whole project as a goal. So there's a lot of things I just said. There's a lot of opportunities to say no, and there's a lot of opportunities to say yes. So I just want to kind of pass it off to Matt because I know he's had to deal with a bunch of pretty stressful things here and there uh, lately. And I don't think, Matt, I don't think you've said no a lot lately, but I just want to kind of get your take on that word. Like, are you, are you almost at the point to say no to some stuff right now? Uh, I'm kind of the classic IT guy where if my, my no is honestly just not, not replying, uh, which is kind of, kind of textbook IT, or at least, at least that's sort of the stereotype. And I guess I'm fulfilling that, um, I just kind of go like, oh, like this is, you know, this this isn't whatever opportunity they came in through this door is not something we're going to do. And sometimes I just won't answer, which probably isn't the greatest way to handle it. And like, that's not how I would normally handle it. But during such a busy time as this, it just comes to a point where you where you just go through your emails and you just go, OK, you know, this, 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 this and this needs to be dealt with this, 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 this and this needs to be answered. And then this, this and this needs to be like, like we don't care about this. We'll get to it later. And then that later never comes. So it's not like a uh, an intentional, you know, nefarious like, ah, screw this person, you know, or like it's not like I don't appreciate the opportunity. It's just it's just that thing where it just gets buried in the doesn't need to be dealt with today. And then more stuff tomorrow comes in, needs to be dealt with right away. And it just gets buried in that. So it's kind of like whatever. It's like I said, kind of fulfilling that stereotype, kind of just not answering sometimes. Um, but I mean, I will like sometimes if people like follow up, like following up is always good because I think that people realize that you know, you're just gonna miss stuff. I've had like I answered an email that I wouldn't answer before, but uh, like today, someone followed up and I was like, oh yeah, I should answer this, and then I went and I answered it after that. So you know, sometimes the follow up is good. Sometimes follow ups can be annoying or whatever. Of course, especially if it's just like someone. You know, sending you like spam, of, of, of Tr- course. Trying, tr- trying to sell you, uh, sell you some ball valves. Something. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, like uh, for some reason, like early in our our business, and 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 to this day, every few months, I just get like this huge, very detailed, or at least the original ones, where I don't open them anymore. I still receive them about vault ball valve manufacturers and like how we could work together. And I'm like, I don't know why you thought. Like, I have no idea why I'm on this mailing list. And it's like it's I'm not, on the mailing list too, though, dude. Like I, I get those. Well, the emails. thing is, is like I'm not like I'm. It's not frequent enough for me to remember to unsubscribe <laughs> if I can even do that. But it's frequent enough for me to be like, oh, it's these guys again. But I never answer that. Like that's the type of stuff I ignore. It's like I'm not gonna, you know, like come on, like I, ball valves, like. <laughs> yeah. well, like I'm not gonna how, suddenly how you- like like oh man, there's 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 tons of great op- it, it it's like this 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 thing right where entrepreneurs will jump around like crazy. It's like well, I'm building a website right now, but ball valve there's money in ball valve market right now, and then like run over and sell ball valves to wherever you sell ball valves. Like I don't know what I don't know. I, no, okay, so like it's off the table. So haven't you responded to them too, like saying that we're not in the industry of ball valves? I think in the early days when we were like just getting started and we didn't have many emails when I would when I would answer everything. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I absolutely answered them and I'm almost hundred percent certain saying, sorry, like we are a web dev agency or something. If memory serves, it's like years and years ago now, but that does ring a bell. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Like I, it's, uh, it's bizarre. It's, I hope I never stop receiving them because every time I get a ball valve email, it puts a smile on my face, just hearing your, cause I know it's going to come up in one of our conversations because whenever I get it, obviously you get it too. Well, we had an incident, too, and I'm not going to, like, out the company either, but we had an incident, too, where this one company, like, we ordered some computers from a company, and they they called, like, their sales team called because it was a reseller. Their sales team called me every month or every week. I think it was – I th- I want to say, and I'm not 100% on this, but I think it was every week for a while 
and then it went down to every month. And then I don't know if it went down to six months or what, but they were clearly doing like a, a sort of quote unquote follow up on a sales routine thing. And so they would call me every day at nine in the morning and they'd always wake me up and I'd be like, hello. And they'd be like, yeah, hey, like we're doing um, like, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, we're from X company and we want to like know like how your you know units are doing and if you need more. And I'm always like, no, sorry, like we like. We ordered a couple for testing, but like the person that's doing the project is the person that manages it. And like we gave you their information like a while ago type of thing. And then it just got to the point where I just stopped answering them because they would just call me and like I'm not up at nine because I, I stay up late. So I'm not up at 9 a.m. They'd wake me up every day like, hello, like, hello, and, <laughs> like every day. Like, how, how's your thing? So we don't deal with that anymore. Oh, OK, just you know, whatever. And like you tell them over and over again and like nobody like puts the flag in their software that says like this guy is not the guy to call. Because it's got to be a common thing in the in the industry where someone hires a contractor and in our case, we engineered a system for them. And then we figured out, you know, we did all the engineering, we did all that. We figured out the, even the supplier or one of the suppliers. And obviously we tested them out to see if the supplier was any good. And then they went off and used said supplier, like our client went off and used said supplier. And I told the supplier like, hey, like I've given you a sale. Like we, you know, we did a little testing, yada, yada. And, and like we were doing it for this company, they're actually the people that are going to be buying it. They're actually the people that are interested, like go over there and they just keep calling me. So I don't know what, like, it's like they're being very vigilant in their sales procedure, but then not being vigilant by not acknowledging that I'm not the one to call. But anyway, whatever, like it's, it's annoying, but it's, and it's almost like at a telemarketer level, especially when you say to them, like, please, like. Stop. Like, it's definitely a telemarketer level and <sighs> it, it's it's nothing like it's not about even a common situation or not. It's just like when you say you don't want to be called anymore at nine in the morning to talk about something that is relevant, irrelevant to you, they should just take you off the list. And they didn't for a long time. It was um, nine on the dot, too. Like it was that's <laughs> what I mean by it was a procedure where someone was clearly sitting at a desk, got there at 830, whatever, got there at 830 and was like, OK, it's like Matt's time for a call and then called. It's like every time I if I pick up the phone. I literally tell you, sorry, like I'm not, I'm just the engineering team. Like I'm part of the people that put together a project, but the people that run the project now, because I don't do that anymore because the project has been built. The people that run the project now maintain it day to day or whatever they're doing with it. I don't know. And I don't care. They're over there. So go call them. And maybe they were calling them. Like, it's not like I asked it like, Hey, you getting calls and these, but like, still it's, it's, it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so to bring it back a little bit uh, to your like just ignoring statement, um, that is actually a viable strategy. And like you said, it's it's a strategy to weed out the people that are not as serious about the work. So if you're if you are getting a, a ton and ton and ton of potential work emails that you just don't know how to sift through and you just don't know what to do, sometimes people will just screen them. And by screaming screening, I mean, just don't reply until they send you another one. So just like you said, where you get the follow up and that increases the chances of you replying that, you know what, like, yeah, it's kind of shitty. But in situations like we're in right now where it's a little bit too hectic and we don't have a secretary, we don't have a person that can, you know, screen the emails for us. That is a strategy that, you know, is is employed in the industry. And I've, you know, I've run into it where I've had to double email sometimes and stuff like that. And it's been OK. Like, I don't really care because I understand how this works regardless Obviously, like we try to to answer as many emails as we can, but again, we're in the spot where it's like a rains and pour situation. I was mentioning, and it's stressful. Like we're handling it as best we can at this point, but and it's not really a complaint in my eyes. Like I'm not complaining because we needed this, and it's coming at the like a good time for us. But on the other hand, like there is something to say about like how do we handle the stress? So, like I said. A little bit earlier, Matt and I have sat down and like had deep discussions. And I think that's a really important thing to do in a situation where, especially if you're in a partnership or with a friend or whatever, uh, try, like doing business work, it that helps control the anxiety. That helps it control the stress, in my opinion. Like on the other side, if we were to just not talk about it and just get angry, it would probably just be obviously the a negative on it and just the stress would keep building and keep building and probably explode at some point. But that's one way that we kind of elevated the stress a little bit. Now that's not to say that we're not stressed right now, but it could be worse. Um, I don't know if there's anything else, Matt, that you do to help manage the stress at this point. 
Um, well, I mean, the obvious one is like I have my separate phone, which helps helps a little bit. Uh, I try to like I try to uh, set aside proper like almost like a like a semi proper work schedule. I'm not one to necessarily schedule my work entirely, but I'll in general give myself like larger bursts of time. So if like I think this thing is going to take me a week, I'll tell the client, hey, this is going to take three weeks. And if I get it done early, that's great. If I get it done right on time because things are so busy, then like then whatever. Like I've bought myself some time. And sometimes you barely make it even with the extra time. So that's why I give myself the extra time. And I'll do that. Like you should do that in general, but I do it a little more. Like usually I'll say like, oh, you know, this thing should take me a week. Realistically, it'll probably take me like, you know, three days out of that week. So I'll give myself two weeks. Lately, it's been like, okay, I'll give myself three. Um, uh, but I don't I don't know. I, I don't deal with stress very well, like just to be blunt. High anxiety person, haven't been sleeping well lately and uh, constantly on edge, uh, to be blunt. That's just the way I am, though. Uh, it probably won't get better, <laughs> to be blunt. Um, that's just the way it is. Like, I just I'm a fiery person and I'm always worried about everything. So I uh, that's how I deal with it. And uh, I I don't know whether that's the right way to deal with it. I'm not a doctor by any means. But uh, yeah, definitely. I don't know whether the sleeping thing is due to allergies either, because I'm pretty allergic to dead leaves and it's autumn. So like, it could just be that. Uh, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it's just been, uh, it's been an interesting time Been running around, uh, with my head cut off, uh, uh, crazy schedules today. We got flooded by emails and all kinds of different stuff. And yeah, so it's just, uh, it's just a crazy time. And that's the, that's my status, I guess. <laughs> Your status is you're insane and you're not dealing with stress right now. I understand what you're saying. Like, I mean, as in, like, you're not dealing well with stress right now. So I should I should expect an explosion in about three to four days, I would say. Well, I, I don't know. The explosions, like, I used to, like, go crazy and then just, like, explode and not care. Uh, and then I haven't really been pushed to that brink in a while, necessarily. I don't know. I, I'm uh, I'm weird in that way. I should probably learn how to deal with stress better. But like it's the thing is, is it's the anticipatory. It's probably a, like an anticipatory anxiety thing. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I'm just like self-diagnosing if I'm even doing that. But it's probably like an anticipatory anxiety thing where I'll like t- go to Mike and say like, hey, this thing is growing. Like we need to prepare for more staff. And it's sort of like that might be months out, if not a year. But like I'm already worried about that. And that lends itself to be being skilled at my job. You know, not that not that I'm like, you know, better than anyone else, but it lends itself as a skill to my job, I should say, in that I can identify small little bits of detail and I can also anticipate stuff potentially happening. So that is something like for uh, one example is we have one particular project that's very uh, large and and I'm not going to get into what it is, but it's very large. And they're to the point now where they're standalone, like they stand out. In all the in all the sites that we host, they're a standout, and so I kept thinking to myself, well, you know, this sucks because obviously when you have uh, WHM, uh, which is like allows you to manage multiple accounts on a reseller, you have you can set up plans or packages, and then like we have you know the classic gold, silver, bronze, yada yada, all this stuff, and these guys are now standout. And so, like to prepare for this, even though it's not something that necessarily need to worry about right away, to prepare for this. I'm going to make like a package under their name and then we'll be able to change that package to our heart's content with how much space they get and how much this and that. And that way it only affects them and they're the only one that's going to be in it. Now, that's not like a huge stress thing. That's a relatively easy thing. But this is on top of the fact that we're doing some other stuff for them, helping some other things. They're growing. So they're having procedural problems, which means the software needs to be enhanced to enhance to like uh, help with the procedure. They have they have more customers. So now there's more complaints coming in because some people are like, hey, this is clunky, so you have to fix it. And so, like, I'm always, like, thinking about the future. Even in video games, I think about the future. Like, w- there's a weird thing in that, like, I was talking, uh, Mike knows that I'm addicted to uh, dividends when it comes to investing. I'm not giving any investing advice. I just, I just like dividends. That's my thing. But even in a video game, I will be like, oh, I could take 10000 now, or I could invest the 10000 and make, like, a hundred dollars every three, four hours of gameplay. I'll do that and I'll forget about it and it'll add up to more than 10k eventually. Like I will always do that because I'm always thinking about the next step, but that makes me super worried because I don't know how everything's gonna go and things never go to plan anyway. So then I'm worried about that. It's just a, it's a disaster. Like it's a total disaster. I should probably learn how to deal with that better. But that's just how my mind works. Like that's just that's the way I think. And uh 
that's just it. Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's just the way, it's just the way I think. That's just how I think. And so, uh, I mean, it's probably not good, but no, probably not. <laughs> probably not good. But like, I don't know. Like, that's just, that's just the truth. I just like that it is. One, one thing I will say is that I think a lot of people can relate to that kind of thinking, uh, especially in our industry, because it is kind of at the seat of your pants. Like, un- unless you have like a stable, regular nine to five job, but even then, with a startup, like you never know what's going to happen. They might sell the startup. Like it's it's really difficult to predict the future in our industry, unless like unless you're working in a really really stable company. So well, the thing the thing that sucks too, like just to kind of bring in a side thing is I remember working uh, at a place one time, and I remember and I just overheard this conversation uh, in the lunchroom. But somebody was saying, you know, when I first started working here, you know, I didn't mind getting calls all the time or just doing work on the side, like at home. But then he said, like, as I got older and in his case, like had kids and stuff, he's like, I can't do this. Like, I'll show up for the time. And even if there's some overtime, you know, that's scheduled, I'll be able to accommodate and do that. But I can't do this thing where I'm just like logging in and doing a little extra work or this and that, whether it was expected of him or not, he's just no longer comfortable doing that. And I, and like, I always thought like, welcome to the industry, bud. But like having aged literally to that approximately what that guy is, I don't have any kids or anything, but now that I'm aged to that, I'm at that stage where like I don't want to have this like consistent like like we're at a size like our company is at a size where if I had one phone and I go out. So like it's uh, Canadian, uh, it's Canadian Thanksgiving. And so coming up and like if I have a two day plan where like sometimes we go on this like little hike walk thing. If I go out there, what am I supposed to do if my phone rings and says, uh, this big project's down? Now that whole walk is ruined and I'm going to miss Thanksgiving dinner. And like when I was younger, it'd be like, oh, whatever, like kind of, you know, the, the classic sort of teenager mentality of like, ah, screw the family, whatever. I'll just have to get this done or whatever. And maybe you'd get pissed, whatever. Everyone's different. But like, I would just do it. Now it's like, I actually want to be at the Thanksgiving dinner and like, I actually want to go on the walk. And so I was even asking Mike today, it's like, am I just supposed to be plugged in all the time? Like, am I a bad developer because of this? So I can I can explain my take on that. Um, I think it's different in your case because the clients that we have are not paying enough in maintenance fees to warrant that kind of response. So we're not getting we're not getting enough money from them just bluntly to make you carry a phone with you on Thanksgiving dinner. If their stuff goes down, it goes down and they have to wait a couple days. Like that's just the reality of it. That's the, that's the agreement we have with them Mm -hmm. for the most part. So that's why I don't care. Now, having said that, if it was like a hat project that was generating a bunch of income for us, our own hat project, or, or it was a, a situation where we're getting paid a ton of money, like, a you know, like a, a reasonable amount of money to be able to be on call. Not that we have anything like that. Not that we have plan on taking anything like that. I think then, yes, like that's the, that is where the industry is. Like that's where, that's how it kind of works. Like people, if you need upkeep and you need to make sure that your, your site is up because every second is costing you X amount of dollars, then they will pay for that kind of upkeep. They'll pay that like exorbitant maintenance fee and have have a person essentially be on call all the time so we're not in that situation like we don't have any clients that can afford that and nor do they need it none of our clients are if they are down for a day they'll lose you know ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars it's just not going to happen they'll lose some like they might lose something but it's nothing of substantial not not substantial enough for them to warrant paying us a significant amount of money to make sure that their stuff is always up or as up as possible. So again, that's why I I always tell you that, no, you don't have to like for maintenance stuff, you don't have to take your phone with you to Thanksgiving. No one's paying you to do that. Right, right. So it's not like, I don't think it's a big deal for you to just leave your phone at home and go to Thanksgiving with just your personal phone. Like that's, you know, that's fine. But again, like if we were to take on a client that was big enough where they were paying us or if we were to have our own project that was generating a significant amount of income, I don't know how you'd feel about taking the phone at that point. For me, for me, I would take it because I feel better with it as long as, again, it's a really big thing where like someone has to be 
it, it has to make sense. Like it can't just be like, oh, I'm just taking this because because I, I respect that client or something. No, like the client has to respect you as well mm-hmm. in terms of monetary respect. So it, it has to be two ways. And that's the and, only and it has way to fit I do their it. budget too. To be clear, this person is paying like a good rate for their budget. Correct. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, they, we're, we're, like it to them, they're paying enough and that's, and that makes sense. And to us, we're getting enough and we're doing all the things that we need to do for that rate. But we don't need to, we don't need to go overboard. That's why I don't think it matters. Yeah, it's it's so to be clear, there's 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 two there's two angles to this. So thank thankfully, we have a contractor that deals with this client mostly deals with most of the support requests and vets them and does all the stuff and and honestly does most of the work because a lot of it is in PHP and I don't know how to read or write that really all that well. So uh, there's that whole thing. I, actually, I, I can't really read and write it. I can kind of figure it out because I'm I've like developed stuff, but I definitely can't write PHP. Um and so, like, thankfully, they're there. Like, I'm really thankful for that. And I'm also at that point where I do just leave my phone, my work phone, like, away. Like, weekend hits, I'm just not checking it. Like, I leave it face down intentionally. Because the one thing that, that really sucks in, in, in how, how it works in my mind is if I get a if I get something that's even simple, like, it'll be like, hey, like, uh, my homepage is doing something weird where it's becoming misaligned on iPhones. Like, I will worry about that from the time it's reported to me all the way through until it's fixed. And so like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really like present during the weekend. I'm just like thinking about this thing and not fixing it because I'm like on the weekend. So I'm like, I have this rule where I'm like, I'm not going to work on this weekend. But then I have this other, (laughs) I have this other weird rule where I'm like, or my, my thoughts are like constantly with like, Oh, how would I fix that? What if it's something wrong with this? What if it's really bad? And then like, that's all I think about. And so that's why, like, the separate phone and thankfully the contractor, like, allow me to, like, okay, get this get this away from me for a bit. And that does help as a stress coping mechanic, to be clear, over the weekend. It's just, uh, it's, I don't know, I, it's weird. I should probably learn to deal with stuff better. <laughs> Do, does it equally affect you when it's a client and when it's hat work? No, and I think it's. I am more okay with someone contacting me and saying, hey, there's something wrong with your podcast feed. And then I can go in and not necessarily fix it on the weekend, but I'm okay with checking that. And this is why I think a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with a lot of like the direction that we're going, you like Mike and I are going is like, we're trying to do a lot of stuff like for us. And I'm I'm thankful for the client stuff and all that. I'm not saying anything against that, but I'm more okay with doing uh, my stuff because it's my stuff. I want it to like work. I want it to be good, and I want it to like make sure that it's working. The one like the, the thing that I that I worry about, or the thing that I like uh, get a- a- agitated with is with client work is that sometimes it's just like, hey, I don't know, like I I can't sign into my email, and I that's a totally legitimate request. Like, of course, nothing against the client for asking me about that, but it's just like, oh, Jesus, like, because I don't like act like I don't personally care about their email, right? I care about them professionally and I'll help them out, but like, I don't personally care about that. So like the personal care aspect helps me a lot. Like we're making a course. I'm stressed out to the like to the normal degree about that course. And to the point where I've like made you an audio sample of some edited audio, we decided to go with the higher quality audio. Like if I didn't give a fuck, I would literally just have not even tried that because the audio that you recorded, Mike, by default without any editing, it was still really good and better than some other, you know, YouTube videos and stuff that we've heard in the past, just because like we have podcast experience. So of course our audio is going to be a little bit like at least good. I'm not saying it's amazing or anything, but it's like, it's not going to be like, you know, all, all staticky and you can't hear us and stuff for the most part. And so, like, you know, I could have just left it, but I want to put that little touch on there because it's personal. That's the thing. So, like, I think the the personal stuff, like, it's less. A, you don't have to deal with the social aspect with the client where the client might be a whirlwind and pissed off. Right. Um, You don't have to deal with that. You don't have to deal with the potential of someone. uh, 
of like someone else's stuff where you're like, oh my God, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, what the heck happened? Did they change something? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? Because your mind starts going. But when you're in control of your own project, for the most part, you kind of know like, oh, it's down because I did that stupid thing. Or like it's down probably because of this in most cases. And then you can just sort of go and fix it. And it's not a big deal. Yeah. So that like I'm more okay with the personal stuff bugging me because I'm more okay with being like, hey, I'm on a hike right now. Like I'll check that later because I want to check it. But like when you're selling people websites, you're working on their dreams. You're not you're not working on your dreams. So you might like working in computers and working with developing and making making cool stuff. Absolutely. And you have a passion there. But the passion is, is at least in my opinion, not going to be as high or not as be as strong as if you were working on something for yourself. There's a reason why we went with Podbean for our podcast. And that's because I said, I don't want to have the the podcast um, the podcast go down. I want to be I want this to be done by a professional company. You know, I want this to be done this. So we just shopped around, found Podbean, said, okay, you know, good with the price, good with this and that, whatever. Because I wanted it to be like, okay, I want this to be a rock. And I know that, you know, at any time something can go wrong, but, you know, Podbean is there to fix it. And there's a support team there and everything. So we're going to insulate this and make it good by putting it on Podbean. If I, if I didn't care too much, then I could self-host, right? We could self-host it. And then like, you know, I can definitely care and still self-host. But to me, I thought, no, let's get a proper support team. Let's get this. And that was just my thought process. And so that's just like, even with our website, like with Webflow, we were thinking about doing this and that and like making a custom site, making this, making that. And then it was just like, you know what? Let's just get it out there. Like the, the, the point of the website is the content. Get the content out there. Get the show notes out there. Put it on the HTML all the things website. It's on Webflow. You know, there's some DNS stuff that we have to manage to get it onto Webflow, but then Webflow manages it. If something goes wrong, Webflow's on it. Like, they have to be on it because I can't fix it. And so that's just my thought. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's because, like, we're willing to – it, it's like this. We're willing to pay the extra to keep our, per, our personal things up and because I care about them. And so I'd be more willing to work on, work on them on the weekend, but I'm also more willing to insulate them. But when you're working with a client – you can sell them all the options like, hey, if you use Webflow, you're going to have this. If you use this, you're going to have this and the, all these things. Usually the thing that has the most insulation, the, mo- the most insulation from issue, the most like support, the most, you know, whatever is the most expensive. And so they don't go with it because they either can't afford it or they don't want to pay that much. And so it, it does go into a bit of a, a no man's land of like, OK, like there's no redundant system here. Something goes wrong. Like, like there it goes type of thing. And that's that's the thing. So. Anyway, that's my piece. I know it was long-winded, but that's my thought process. No, that's fair. I think that's fair. That, that's that's kind of the answer that I expected is the whenever you're working on your own project, you, it seems to be that you're more likely to be willing to put in that extra effort. And that that's the same thing with me, right? Like probably for most people out there. That's why, like Matt said, we're going towards that kind of work, work-life balance situation where we're mostly going to be working on our own things this is going to take some time to transition into, obviously, because we're we need to build an income from them. But it's it's definitely our overarching goal over the next one to three years, I would say. Um, that's why we're making the course, and I think that's a perfect segue into Svelte. So, other than stress and opportunities, I've been dealing with a lot of Svelte. So I, I had a little project that I was working on a few like a couple months ago now that was Svelte based, and it was really fun to work on. And I really enjoyed Svelte as a JavaScript framework. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I'm sure you heard about it. I talk about it a ton now on Twitter. I'm trying to like, I'm not evangelizing it, but I'm I'm trying to push it into the zeitgeist a little bit more because in my opinion, Svelte has this opportunity to not beat React. I don't want to say it's going to overtake React, but I think it's different enough from React in the sense that it's better. It's a little bit easier to use and a little bit easier to spin up in. And it has all the same kind of functionality that React would have. And I I believe it has that opportunity to start, you know, taking a little bit of the market space. And because of that, I want to be at a point where I'm ready for that. So one of the big things that I'm doing and I've been doing over the past few weeks now is creating a, a Svelte JavaScript f- frameworks for beginners course. So I'm trying to kind of put the knowledge that I learned into a 
you know, video and uh, audio form. So people can take that and also learn it and be prepared for the future with Svelte. But the another kind of aspect of it and something that was really interesting to me when I was working on that project a few months back, the Svelte project, was that I had someone there that was kind of an, an older school developer. Um, they, were, they were mostly used to working with jQuery. And it was someone that was trying to kind of spin up on Vue before. And I had a little bit of a challenge there, like they weren't grasping some of the concepts, they, they were pushing back on some things and were trying to reach for jQuery too often, which is the opposite of what you want to do with these frameworks. Uh, and as soon as we switched to Svelte, I noticed like stuff started clicking in their head. Like, oh, this is this is the connection between, you know, how jQuery does it and how Svelte does it. Oh, this is the connection between how, how regular JavaScript does it and this is how Svelte does it. I noticed that like progression as they went through it. And they were able to pick it up in a couple of days. Honestly, that's not an exaggeration. They were they they figured out Svelte in the same way that they figured out jQuery. They had that same kind of flexibility that they had in a couple of days. And then when I showed them some view code after that, they were understanding it a lot better. And in my opinion, it would be the same kind of situation with React. So what I'm doing with this course, and I'm not this seems like a, an ad. I'm just trying to think my thoughts here or express my thoughts. What I want to do with this course is that like, I want that kind of progression to happen for some people that are maybe having a trub- trouble jumping to the JavaScript framework landscape. I want a stepping stone. So people will be able to take the course, not only learn Svelte, it's definitely, you're definitely going to learn a lot of Svelte, but you're also going to learn JavaScript JavaScript framework fundamentals. So like what is conditional rendering? What is looping, template looping? How do you show dynamic variables and templates? Uh, How do you receive and display data? How do you, you know, how do you componentize? Like how do you work in separate components in like component architecture? How do you pass props? How do you do state management? Like there's a lot in the course and a lot that I'm trying to teach that's kind of going to help you become better with frameworks in general. And I think like as a JavaScript developer, as a web developer, it's a really key step in everyone's path. It's not necessary. Like, yes, you can still make websites with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And sometimes it makes more sense to just use those three if it's a really simple website. But if you're looking at the job market, a lot of the jobs are now starting to revolve around frameworks, like mostly React. There are some Vue and there are some Svelte, but it's mostly React. Um, but the point is, is like you have to get those paradigms down a little bit because who knows, you know, in a month or in a month, probably it's still going to be React, obviously, but maybe two years from now, Svelte or Vue could be in a, in a larger role. And it's important to not only understand the syntax of one, it's important to understand the fundamentals of all th- of, of, a, of a JavaScript framework. So you can just pick up any. Like recently I was, I don't have a lot of experience with React. But I have done a couple little little projects with it, and I have done a, a few courses with it. Um, but I, I was recently just had to kind of dive into a React project just to see how it works. So, so that I was helping because I was helping someone, and it was close enough for me with Vue and Svelte that I was able to kind of pick it up in, you know, in a matter of hours. Obviously, not the intricacies. Obviously, not every single little thing about the framework. But at least I knew where to look. Even if I didn't know it off the top of my head, I knew like, oh, you know what? This is the conditional rendering part. I can go look at it there. This is, you know, this is template looping. I can go look at it there. You know, I I made those connections between them and it made learning React a lot faster for me. So that's what I'm trying to do with Svelte. That's why it's kind of top of mind for me right now, constantly thinking about ways to improve it, ways to talk about it a little bit more. And I just want to get, I'm trying to like like centralize myself a little bit. And I think Svelte is a great place to do that because I really like JavaScript frameworks. I like how they work. I like the fundamentals of, of what they do. Um, stuff like the like frameworks on top of frameworks like Svelte Kit or Nuxt or Next are also really interesting to me. So that's something I'm going to be talking about. So that's just something I wanted to kind of bring up. Again, this episode is all about what's top of mind for us right now. Stress was obviously number one. Svelte is number two for me. Um, Matt, I don't know if you have anything, like, I know you haven't had a chance to work with Svelte in a long time, but, uh, you are working a little bit, like you said, on like helping me with the course and stuff like that. I don't know if you had anything to add. Um, not necessarily directly on the Svelte side, but like on the Svelte side in that we are working pretty, pretty early, at least like we're going through, or at least I am going through the course 
in, in its draft form and trying to learn from it. So I have this interesting perspective of like I have I have, you know, minimal um, minimal experience with Svelte. And as a result, like I could technically learn it. So I'm in this unique spot where Mike is now teaching a course on it and I'm trying to take a look at the course from the perspective of, OK, if I were, you know, if I got frustrated and said, OK, I'm done learning Svelte like I like on my own, it's annoying, which didn't happen maybe I'll take Mike's course. And so I'm like putting myself in the shoes of somebody who like has a little bit of little bit of experience, but can learn from the course. And there's been a couple of things where I've like pointed out, I haven't watched the whole course yet, but there's been a couple of things where I'll like look at it and be like, okay, this is confusing or, oh, okay. Yeah. This is like a good explanation or, oh, that's how that works from the documentation. And I'll like send Mike feedback and say, Hey, you know, the documentation explained it like this. And I thought it was way more complicated. You showed it like this. And I thought it was a lot better. Now, obviously, you know, you could say I'm biased because I'm, you know, it's our course, but that's how I'm looking at it. And I hope that helps the quality of the course. It might not, you know, who knows, like everyone's different, but that's, that's just sort of my, my two, my two cents in that area. Yeah. I like that. I, I think exactly. That's, that's why this course was so kind of relevant is because really it it was a way for me to kind of pass on my a little bit of my knowledge to you as well when you when you have time obviously to actually like take it seriously but i i do intend the course to be kind of code along so you can I'll, I'll, i'm gonna i'm gonna have the git repository for the course where it's gonna be broken down by branches in the uh uh for the lesson so each lesson is gonna have its own branch so you'll be able to see progressively as you go and i would recommend to just kind of go through it and Go and maybe write your own, right? Like go through as I write, write your own, and then maybe add a little, add something different at the at the end of each thing. So at, at the end of each lesson. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably have a little challenge for you at the end of each lesson for you to kind of do on your own. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna write up a, a very short paragraph or a couple points where I'm like change it this way and see if you can do that after each lesson because it's really important to not only absorb content but then use it right away. That's why project-based learning is so important because when you're going through a project, you're not only like learning different things for like to, to how they work, but you're actually applying that knowledge immediately. So in my opinion, like if you want to take this course and get the most out of it, take it, use those, those little challenges to change little things here and there. It's, they're not going to be very difficult, but it's going to apply some of the knowledge that you're going to learn throughout the lesson and make you actually code something. So that's, that's my goal with the course. That's why I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. It's a little bit of a self-plug for sure. Um, it will be out next week. So actually the week that you're listening to this, at some point during this week, it'll come out at least in some way, shape or form. It's going to be live on Udemy. Uh, that's where it's going to be live for now. We might put it on something else in the future, but for now, for sure, just Udemy. And uh, if you want to get any sort of updates on it, definitely follow us at HTML Everything on Twitter. Uh, and we're going to have a, we're going to do our newsletter release, our first newsletter release based on when the course releases. And we're going to probably put a discount code in that newsletter. Now we have to work out all the details, the technical details of that. Uh, I think Udemy allows us to do that. But essentially, if you guys if everyone here wants to have a discount for the course, get access to it and know about it firsthand, like at initially when it comes out, definitely sign up for a newsletter, sign up for HTML, everything on Twitter. So with that, uh, the last little thing that's kind of top of mind for me is Web3. Um, a lot of people have been talking about it lately. We've talked about it a couple times on the podcast. I just wanted to kind of lay it out again for everyone just because it is very relevant right now. A lot of stuff is happening in it. There's a lot of dev work to be done in Web3. So it's important to at least understand what it is. So I'm going to just quickly talk about what it is and then maybe I'll pass it off to Matt if he has any questions. But that's what we're going to end with. Uh, so Web3 refers to not only crypto and blockchain stuff. Because that's a big, that obviously, whenever you hear Web3, I think you hear crypto blockchain. Uh, but it also refers to machine learning. So any sort of AI stuff that's in the web, that's part of what, like the next phase of the web. It also refers to decentralization, which is obviously like crypto and blockchain and all that. That's part of it. But there's a lot more decentralization going on than just that. Uh, and it refers to the task-based economy as well. So in a Web3-based economy, it's going to use crypto to allow you to kind of 
disconnect from your typical job market. It's going to be a lot more uh, accessible for people that are, you know, remote, that want to just work at their own pace. There's going to be a task-based system with uh, Deos. Uh, let me just quickly look up what, a, what, what that stands for right now, but uh, give me one second. Uh, so a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. Uh, so essentially what that is, is it's a organization that's run by smart contracts on the blockchain. And it's going to give you the effect of having a job board, essentially, that you're able to bid on. And then as soon as you get the contract and complete the contract, there's an automated system in place. It's not some boss. It's not some person. There's an automated system in place that will hand you the money at the end of it. So it's it's going to be very much based on the work you do is the amount of money you get. So obviously, it's not going to be right away. It's not going to go across board for everything. But there's going to be a lot more of that coming. And Web3 is kind of bringing it into reality at this point. That's where that's that's the kind of stuff that I wanted to talk about a little bit just to get a top of mind. Again, it's not just what crypto and blockchain. It is machine learning. It is decentralization. There is something also called Web3.js. Don't get, don't confuse that with Web3.0. Web3.js is a library for interacting with the blockchain. That's not the same as Web3.0 when it's referred to as the new quote unquote standard for the web. Oh boy. There's uh, a lot to unpack. <laughs> the thing I, I find with this, and like I'm an outsider to this whole crypto world, uh, it's something that I'm interested in because it's there's a lot of stuff going on in it. Obviously, it's in the tech field, yada yada. Haven't had the time to really like crack into it. But the thing is, is like what I've tried to do, and and you know, you can correct me, Mike, or correct course correct me. What I've tried to do several times is get a general bearing. So what I've done is I've watched a couple of little documentaries on Bitcoin or something, you know, even years ago I've done this, or actually I should say years ago I did this and they explain blockchain in this like simplistic way. But when all this crap comes in, I'm like, isn't the blockchain just, you know, this like, you know, this figurative chain of computers that's verifying transactions and, you know, there's no central like big server somewhere or big bank somewhere that's like, uh, you know, regulating or monitoring or whatever they do to the currency to the bitcoins and all the rest of it you know like this stuff is just so it is so out of this world to me that every single time i even look up something it'll i usually get the say like the traditional news outlet articles that's like this is what an nft is this is what this is and they like explain it but then something like this comes around and i'm like wasn't it just a picture that's like a with a copyright and then it's like, well, no, it's this, this you know, and it becomes this big, and I'm like, is this all marketing fluff? Is this all, like, I'm so, I'm so outside of it that I just don't, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, it's like, I'm reading what the, what the people, like when, when people like constantly hear the term NFT, just the general public, non-techies, just the general public hear NFTs, they get their news about what an nft is from the various big news outlets out there right that's what they get they'll write mm-hmm. an article about it and that's what they get in general um because it's hit the main the main public or whatever but like that's that's my level of knowledge and this is so far into it that i don't even know how to begin like when when it, when you think about this if you think about like webflow you go to webflow you know what you know what you're getting if you go to a web host, in general, you know, there's some intricacies, but in general, it's like, oh, you know what you're getting. Oh, it comes with an email account, comes with this. Oh, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. You know generally what you're getting. But I don't know what I'm getting when I'm talking to the, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like what the hell? Like, You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's very confusing. It's confusing because it's still really early, and the, even the people that are creating it are still themselves not fully sure what it's going to be. Uh, but it is in the same sense that like if a regular person would go to a web host, they would have no idea what, what's going on there. It is one of those things is as you delve deeper, as you peel back the layers of the onion, that's literally an onion, you get more and more into it. But as you peel back those layers, there's more questions that come up too. Like I've peeled back a lot of layers, but I think I have more questions than when I started. I, I In my opinion, that's how you learn something. That's how you know you're learning it. When you're, when you from the outside think it's gobbledygook. And then as you get closer and closer, you're starting to understand some parts of it, but you're, you're starting to realize that the more you understand, the less you know. 
that's when your knowledge, like that's when your learning starts. That's where you're like, okay, now this is where I need to dive in deeper. This is where I need to dive in deeper. This is where I need to dive in deeper. And you can only learn so much, obviously. So I'm still early on in the phase. I might be doing a little bit of work in that in that space right now, and I might learn more. But uh, that's kind of the realistic situation that we're in. I just wanted to lay out a little bit what the Web3 space is. I don't want to delve too much into it right now because there's like you were saying, Matt, there's just <laughs> yeah, so much. Like, each little part that I mentioned could be like a two hour, three hour episode. No problem. What, even on episode my one six X version two here. Exactly. Coming in, right yeah. hot, coming in hot here. Exactly. But I, I totally agree with you that it, it is a kind of a crazy space, but it's important if you're a developer to at least know of its existence. And if you're really interested, dive in yourself because I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity in this space. I'm not saying that there's, you know, don't go in there, don't go out there and take my advice and go invest in crypto. I don't care about that. I'm not saying anything to do with that. I'm saying as a developer, there might be some significant opportunities when like interacting with the blockchain, developing on the blockchain, like there's a lot you can do with it is what I'm trying to say. And that's it. Uh, thank I, I thank really, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't really have anything else. Uh, I don't know if you want to wrap it up right now, Matt. Uh, yeah, we can run the conclusion after you ran my brain through the ringer there. I don't know what I need to probably start reading about crypto. But anyway, if anyone out there has some good resources for me to like start looking at crypto beyond the like, say, to traditional news outlets of like, what's an NFT, which serve their purpose, but not enough for me, uh, please. Please let me know anyway, or let Mike know and then. He'll send them to me. But anyway, we are on Patreon. So if you want to support shows like this, you want to uh, help me elite, relieve relieve my own crazy stress level, you can go to that page. I don't know if that's not going to help this at all. Uh, Patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. Check out the tiers. Give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrett from Local Path Computing and Web Design on LocalPathComputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on SelfmadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com. DL Ford from DLFord.io. Vipash Dash from 9BlockMedia on 9BlockMedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, and Jeff from Twitter via at the Rithic. I really hope I didn't miss anyone there. I was kind of on a roll. If I did, I apologize. Feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.